The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Monday morning. It's Armchair Quarterback Monday, Overreaction Monday, Knee Jerk Reaction Monday, whatever have you want to call it, insert that Monday into there. That's what kind of day it is today. It is January the 24th, 2022. Uh, we are live here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson is Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Also streaming on ESPNTucson.com. It is 7.03 on your Tucson Monday. And we have, uh, you know, again, you know, I, I mean, I know I say it every Monday, especially during the NFL season. We have a lot to talk about today. It, like, I was telling Mary before the show that I – this weekend in just in football, the weekend just in football, and everything that happened when you when you break everything down, whether it's the in-game decisions, whether it's coaching, whether it's players, whether it's the actual outcomes of games or the history of things or the rules changes that need to be done in the NFL, the the potential off season for several big big name players, future Hall of Famers in the NFL, you have a month's an entire month's worth of shows of content just based on what happened Saturday and Sunday. It was incredible. Now, I don't want to, to use uh, any kind of like hyperbole when influenced by recency bias and say that this was the greatest weekend in sports history or that last night's Chiefs-Bills game was the greatest football game in history or that the weekend, just the, you know, those four games were the best weekend in football history. I, I you know, I, I, I have, to be honest, I haven't even had an opportunity to give it that much thought. I know this; it felt really good to watch all four of those games because they were all unique in their own special ways, and all of them. It came down to a crucial decision, whether it be. A crucial, a crucial decision by the eventual losing coach to do something maybe a little bit out of the ordinary or just players making plays on the field. It's it just remarkable. I, I, I don't even know where – it's one of those things like I don't know where to begin. Like, do we just go chronologically? Do we start with the Bengals and Titans game? Because that game has been forgotten. We were talking because there was like 45 minutes of time between that AFC, the AFC uh, one seed game and the NFC one seed game that night, there was like forty five minutes in between there when you know when that game ended, the other one began to talk about it. And you know, I was on Twitter, and I was actually over to Buddy's house. We had some you know we had some people over and enjoyed some time there with friends and watching the game and celebrating the stuff. We were watching some hockey on the other TV. Had you know some hockey games going on because we had some parlays going on in the NHL, and uh, and you know so it was fun to talk about that AFC game and how good it was like man I hope that the I hope the next game lives up to you know to this because that was a really good football game and I know that you know Tannehill you know and I talked I, I said good things about Tannehill uh, you know on Friday but before the game and he he was absolutely terrible um but uh you know we were talking about Joe Burrow and the emergence of this young quarterback and how surprising 
the Bengals' defense was in that game and how Derrick Henry just didn't look like the same kind of guy. We didn't expect him to be you know, 100% and look like old King Henry. But uh, you know he was out there, just didn't have the same ability that we you know, were used to seeing out of him. And the fact that chemistry matters on offense, and I mean it matters on defense too. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of more in- interchangeable parts. It's more about the individual doing their job, not working in concert together like they do on offense. And and having just a, a massive core of players who had only logged three total games together all of a sudden coming together after a bye week and trying to get things together to win a playoff game it just didn't work like it, it just it just wasn't in the in the recipe so we're sitting there we're talking about that game hoping that the that the Niners and Packers game is good and then the Niners Packers game kicks off the the Niners win the the, the coin toss they defer to the second half Packers get the ball first and they go right down the field averaging 7 yards per play Boom, 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 just getting chunk, chunk, chunk. Aaron Rodgers finds Devontae Adams three times on the first drive. They go right into the end zone, and they look like the bullies because they were running the football with authority behind A.J. Dillon. They pop into the end zone, get themselves on the board. It's 7 nothing, and it looked easy. Then the 49ers get the ball and looked completely anemic on offense. They were dropping passes, you know, you know, uh, you know Kittle drops a pass on the opening drive, and Brandon Ayuk drops a pass, and Juwan Jennings drops a pass. And you're like, man, this is not going well for San Francisco. I just hope that defense can hold up long enough for the offense to find itself and figure something out. They weren't running the ball with authority. They were trying to find ways around, you know, to, to scheme their, you know, their way into being able to run the football. I've never seen in my life, I've never seen an offensive tackle run jet motion before. When I saw that, I saw Trent Williams lined up in the backfield. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. They got Trent Williams lined up, you know, kind of in, in the tailback spot or in, in, a, in an H-back slot, spot, I guess you could technically call it. Then he motions to tight end, you know, basically just one foot off the, off the uh, you know, behind the, uh, the offensive line. Then goes jet motion. And here comes Trent, big old Trent Williams, six foot eight, three hundred and sixty pounds, streaking behind Jimmy Garoppolo. As soon he passes, as he passes the guard, Garoppolo snaps the ball, and Trent Williams absolutely flattens the defensive end of the of the Green Bay Packers. And I mean, flattens him. And I'm like, wow, this is great, man. I've I've never seen it like this before. And that game turned into an absolute defensive slugfest. And I think more, the more I think about it, and the, you know, the more the highlights I watch and kind of read some of the reactions from the people, from the insiders that were there watching the game. Really, it was more about the Forty ers just not able to get things really going on on offense. I mean, you want to give credit to the Packers' defense; it was good in certain situations, specifically early in the first quarter and a half or so. But it wasn't as dominant as people think that you know a 13 point output would be in a game where the Niners didn't score a touchdown uh, I felt more like I mean watching Jimmy Garoppolo throw the ball every ball that came out of his hands was underpowered and it was wobbly I mean he didn't he didn't throw a tight spiral the entire game he can't throw a cold ball I, we've we have found that out about Jimmy Garoppolo and you know he maybe he can develop into a cold ball thrower but that was his first 
chance to throw a football in, in temperatures that are below freezing, it did not turn out well for him. He had several passes that were nearly intercepted, a couple that should have been intercepted, one that should have been picked sixth about 80 yards to the house um, if, the, if the defender just looks for the ball instead of looks to tackle the, uh, the receiver. Regardless, the 49ers defense was absolutely incredible for the 54 minutes following the first drive of the game. And special teams reared its ugly head for the team who was ranked 32nd in the NFL this season in special team efficiency. The Green Bay Packers essentially give give up 10 points on defense. It, it was a 10-point swing on special teams on the scoreboard, uh, rather not on defense. It was a 10-point swing on the scoreboard based on special teams. The blocked field goal at the end of the first half, and then, of course, the big block punt play that got returned for a touchdown to essentially give the 49ers their only big score of the game um, outside of the, the Robbie Gold uh, field goal that, that, sent, uh, that sent the Packers home. So it was special teams, and I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a huge Packer fan, very, you know, very invested in the team, um, very knowledgeable about, you know, about the whole thing. And apparently the Packer fans have been have wanted to have this special teams coach fired since the Bears game earlier this year. I went back and looked. Yeah, it wasn't like they just things have not been good on that side of the ball in, in the third aspect of the game of football for quite some time for the Packers this season. And I don't want to just put all of the uh, all of the blame on the special teams because there's plenty of blame to go around when you talk about the Green Bay Packers and how they lost that football game specifically. Number 12, um, the quarterback, there, when you really dig into it and kind of look at some of the things that were going on in that game, Aaron Rodgers deserves a lot of the blame for the Packers not moving on and uh, the other number one seed being sent home in a one-and-done situation much like the Titans were. Then we move to Sunday, and we're thinking, okay, these, these games are going to be different. They're going to be played in you know different types of weather, Obviously, with Tampa, and, and of course in Tampa, it ended up being like the coldest day in in like Tampa Bay history. Like Tampa, Tampa, Florida on uh, yesterday was like it was like one of the coldest days they've had in recent memory, apparently. And not that it you know mattered. It's still you know it's like oh it's it's like forty eight degrees or it's freezing in in Tampa. Um, but we you know we kind of expected more fireworks in these games just because that's the way that these offenses are designed. The quarterbacks that are playing in this game, Matthew Stafford, Gunslinger, Tom Brady, one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time, and of course led the NFL in basically every passing stat this year. Then in the AFC game, you've got the two up-and-comers, like the two that have already arrived essentially in Josh Allen and and Patrick Mahomes because there are other up-and-comers, Joe Burrow being one of them. Um, But you have the two young quarterbacks who have already arrived in the league in that game looking to show out and tons of talent littered around them on offense. So we we knew it was going to be different. I didn't know or we didn't know that it was going to be of epic proportions of drama and I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. The Just going through the Twitter timeline as the games are kind of going on was, uh, was fun to see people's reactions to things as they were happening. That Rams-Buccaneers game was over. That game was over in the third quarter. I'm like, man, this is this is crazy to watch Tom Brady go out like this 
just completely decimated by the Los Angeles Rams. They had no they, they, they had no business getting back into that game, except for the Rams being being the Los Angeles Rams, apparently. I don't know what the hell happened in, in that fourth quarter to allow the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to get back in that game the way that they did. But look, if you give Tom Brady those types of those types of opportunities, he's going to make you pay. And it almost made them pay the ultimate price, uh, and they almost lost the damn game. That was an absolute, just incredible game. And then Stafford and Cooper Cup come up with this play. I I thought he was just throwing the ball away. Like, he's just going to launch the ball down the field as far as he can to get rid of it. I'm like, why why did he throw it to the middle of the field? I'm I'm sure there's nobody there. Why would there be anybody there? Because they played zero on on that play. And lo and behold, here comes Cooper Cup running underneath this ball that was seemingly hanging in the air for six minutes. <laughs> comes down and catches the ball as Antoine Winfield tackles him. Boom. The Rams are in field goal field goal territory. They let the clock run down, kick the game winner. It was a, a remarkable game. And that was – so in that game, let, let's, a little bit of history, a little, little trivia, a little history here for you. In the history of the NFL playoffs, from 1970 through 2020, so in the 50 years of the NFL playoffs, in the in the Super Bowl era, essentially, let's call it. I know that there were two Super Bowls retroactively named Super Bowl, yada, yada, yada. I'm talking from 1970 to 2020, that 50-year span of time. There were seven total game-winning walk-off kicks in NFL playoff history. Seven. In the 50-year history, there were seven zero-second kicks to send teams home and to send teams on to the next round. Leading up to the night game last night, the previous three games had all been decided on walk-off kicks. Three out of three in walk-off kicks in those three games. Remarkable. So I'm thinking, gosh, would this game come down to a, a, a kick? I mean, I had... I had the game being, you know, being decided by about four points in my little predictions. We'll get to that. Maybe, maybe we'll get to it later. I don't know. Proud of my, I'm proud of my predictions over the weekend. I'll say that. Could it really come down to a kick? And it almost did, except <laughs> they went to overtime and they had to play another half or another another quarter of football or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Look, we'll, we'll certainly get into all of that because I was heated last night. I was not in a good mood following that football game because I wanted more. I wanted more football. And in that Chiefs-Bills game, obviously the game goes overtime, Chiefs go down, bang, bang, bang. They get the big play to uh, – Nicole Hardman gets the big play. And then they find, of course, Travis Kelsey, who just beats his man into the – back corner of the end zone and Patrick Mahomes puts it on because Patrick was nearly perfect yesterday. He was spectacular uh, and, and finds Travis Kelsey in the end zone for the game winning touchdown. Boom. End of story. Game over. That's it. Walk off the field. Josh Allen never got an opportunity to put the ball in his hands in that overtime, which is a severe, severe issue with the NFL. It's been an issue that has been discussed Several times before, we have talked about it. It seems like every time there's an overtime game, like a big overtime game, it gets discussed. The Kansas City Chiefs, three years ago, 
lobbied the NFL to change the overtime rules to where both offenses get to touch the ball because Andy Reid knew, hey, if we ever get into a big situation, uh, you know, in an overtime game, like a, like a playoff game or a Super Bowl or something like that, I want my guy to be able to touch the football. I want, I want my offense on the field. I want us to be guaranteed a shot at scoring a touchdown because I know I've got the horses to do it. And the NFL denied the appeal to look further into the rules change, and the NFL has now opted for brevity in the postseason as opposed to fairness in, 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 in as it regards to overtime, not in the postseason, but in overtime. And that therein lies the real problem, that the NFL is more intent, based on their overtime rules, of getting the game over quickly than they are to getting the game over fairly. The fact that Josh Allen never got to touch the ball again is a complete travesty. And I mean a complete travesty. And, and, and football fans, sports fans, everybody missed out on what could have been an even greater football game based on the fact that the overtime rules are what they are. Now, if you are one of those one of those people out there that I was getting very upset with in the uh, in on the social media, specifically on Twitter, who were arguing in favor of the overtime rules and I, and I well, I'll, I'll say it this way. If you were arguing arguing in favor of the overtime rules just to be a contrarian, you and I cannot be friends. Like that just we, we, we would it would never work between us. I would literally want to punch you in the face if you just did it to be a contrarian. Like you were that person who didn't have a dog in the race in that game, was just enjoying some football, and was like, no, the Bills should have played better defense. That's what they get for not playing great defense. Ha, 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 you get to go home now. I like the overtime rules. Oh, really? So if if the game of baseball were decided by the team who scores the first run, you'd be okay with that too? Like you go to the 10th inning and you're you're at the game. It's a, play, it's a playoff game. You're at your Diamondbacks game or whatever. Not that they'll ever make the playoffs again anytime soon. But let's. This is why we're. You know. This is why we're playing in a fantasy world. It's the Diamondbacks and uh, you know, the uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. And <laughs> the Pittsburgh Pirates come up to plate, and the leadoff hitter hits a home run, and the game's over, because Major League Baseball is more intent on having brevity and getting the game over quickly than they are about fairness in giving everyone a fair shot at trying to win the baseball game. Pittsburgh walks up, hits a walk off, it's a it's a leadoff home run, and the game's over. And the opposing pitcher never has to go out there on the mound for the Pittsburgh Pirates to get three outs in the bottom of the bottom of the tenth, and the Diamondbacks never get a chance to tie the game or to to make a comeback and make this dramatic, you know, last second, you know, or, or last inning win, home field advantage, whatever, yada yada yada. So you'd be okay with that then. Hey, you know what? They deserve to lose. You shouldn't give up a play like that. Shouldn't shouldn't throw a fastball down the middle to the guy. He's going to hit it out of the ballpark. Stop. Just, I mean, I mean, literally, stop. It's so, it's so angering to me. It's maddening. Just how stupid this rule is.
and I have said it for years. This is not the first time that I am jumping on top of my soapbox, ready to die on a hill for something like the NFL overtime rules. I have hated it, and I mean I have hated it for a long time. That game went to overtime last night, and I had a text conversation with my buddy who's a massive Bills fan. He's from uh, he's from West Seneca, New York, huge Bills fan, has been his entire life, Old guy's older than me, and we both literally sent the text at the same time last night. This is not going to go well for the team that loses the coin toss. It comes down to a lucky flip of the coin of putting both great – listen, if the tides had been turned – Do you think the Chiefs' defense would have held up against Josh Allen in that offense? No. If the Bills had won the coin toss, they'd be moving on to the AFC Championship game. That's the way that game was going. We've seen it happen a million times in college, right? The the Iron Bowl this year. Alabama couldn't, couldn't have found the end zone with a tour guide in that game. All of a sudden, game gets into overtime, and now it's like touchdown, 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 touchdown. Like t- they couldn't miss. It was just momentum. They had the number. And for, you know, look, both offenses were just dominating yesterday. I mean, they were going up and down the field on one another. The fact that the Bills never even got an opportunity to answer is is just asinine to me. It's ridiculous. It's It's one of the worst rules in sports. And I hate that I'm so angry about what we saw over the weekend because it ended that way. The final game, the best game of the weekend, and it was the best game of the weekend, regardless of who you're rooting for or what kind of football product you like, that was the best game of the weekend. Best game of the season, period. And it ended on a coin toss? Please tell me that you don't support that. Please tell me that you're not in favor of – that absolutely ridiculous rule that keeps another team from being able to answer another team's I, – I, listen, I get the the argument, oh, the Bills should have played better defense. Yeah, could have, would have, should have. How about let's give credit to a great offense and a future Hall of Fame quarterback who have, by the way, now moved on to their fourth consecutive AFC championship game. So let's not say, oh, the Bills' defense should have done, should have done better. They gave up 36 points in regulation. What do you expect them to do? (laughs) You know what the Bills did all night long? Answer the call. They were down. They came back and they answered. They were down. They came back and they answered. They were down. They came back and they answered. They took the lead. They gave up the lead. They came back and they answered. It's it's just, I, I, I can't help but feel like, like if you if you support that rule that you are you just don't understand the game like you're not getting it that you're I feel like anyone who who is arguing in favor of that rule is just trying to be an ass they're just trying to be a contrarian and that really bothers me and I got I tell you what my my blood pressure was was <laughs> it was an unhealthy uh, levels last night in reading some of this filth and garbage that I was reading from the so-called fans and analysts in the NFL. It, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was uh, 
I was, I had, I had, I had to put the phone down. I was like, I'm putting the phone down. I cannot do this anymore. Can't do it. Tried to go to bed. Couldn't sleep. Here I am. So, lots of stuff to get into. That's just kind of a small little, uh, just a, a, a light look at what happened over the weekend in the NFL playoffs. I also have plenty of other things to talk about because we keep things local here. It's Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Wildcat men's basketball team absolutely crushed Cal yesterday in Berkeley. The women's basketball team gets the weekend sweep over the Rocky Mountain schools. They destroyed Colorado at the McHale Center last night, or yesterday afternoon, I should say. And there were some Wildcat football recruits showing out in Honolulu yesterday in the Polynesian Bowl. All kinds of stuff going on locally. But when we return, we will start to talk about the future of the two NFC quarterbacks who are going home, that got sent home over the weekend. We'll talk about that next. You're listening here to The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Two future Hall of Famers sent home in front of their home crowd yesterday, or over the weekend, I should say. What is next for the likes of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady? For Aaron Rodgers, I think the, I think the forecast is a little more clear, in my opinion. Aaron Rodgers will not be in Green Bay next year, but he will be with some other team. I just, there's, there's, I don't think there's anything at this point that Green Bay can do about it. I don't think there's anything the Packers organization can do to sweet-talk him back in there. Even though, even though, in my opinion, the loss to the 49ers is 50% on Aaron Rodgers and 50% on everybody else in that organization. Because, look, if you're going to, and it's not like he anointed himself this, but if we anoint him the greatest thrower of the football in NFL history, which he is, I don't think, Listen, I don't, I don't think anybody would really argue with that. It doesn't make you the greatest player of all time. There's a difference here. We're qualifying this by saying you're the greatest thrower of a football in the history of the NFL. The, the way that he has gone about things uh, leaves a lot to be desired in some people's minds, and that's fine. Everybody has their own you know, opinions personally about Aaron Rodgers. I don't let that creep into my mind when I'm trying to determine whether or not I think he's going to be a Green Bay Packer any longer. The reason I don't think he's going to be a Green Bay Packer any longer is because they decided to move on from Aaron Rodgers three years ago. They just haven't been able to cut the cord yet. And now they'll be able to. They'll be able to cut the cord now. Because, again, they are not, they're not even going to be playing in the NFC Championship game, let alone a Super Bowl. And much like with the history of Brett Favre, getting so close and winning a ton of regular season games and being anointed the greatest of the season or the MVP because what brought Favre won what three MVP awards I think it was one Super Bowl Aaron Rodgers going to win his I think it's either his second or his third MVP award this year he he will win it and he should it's a regular season award uh one Super Bowl and that's all he's going to get and I don't know where where else he would go to get that 
get that Super Bowl ring. I have some I have some wild thoughts about where he might end up. I do believe that the Green Bay Packers are going to trade him though. And to be honest with you, I I agree with Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan earlier this this morning on uh, on the ESPN Wake Up Show, whatever it's called, their their early morning show that they have on there. I agree with Rex. I was listening in the background, and he you know he said something provocative. He said the Green Bay Packers are getting exactly what they deserve, and it piqued my interest. I was like, oh, what is this? What is he about to say? And he said, you you move up to draft. Jordan Love, which was a, a bad move to begin with, and it started down that path of disrespect, dislike, distrust, you know, mistrust in the organization between the quarterback and his front office. And he's absolutely right. And now they're going to be forced to trade him because Aaron Rodgers is not showing back up to play another game in green and gold in Lambeau. It's just not going to happen. Well, I mean, we'll talk in the future where I think he's going to end up or where I think the, the best cases for him, I'll tell you right now, if I'm the Tennessee Titans, I am calling and saying, what can we give you for Aaron Rodgers? Because, I mean, they're, they're pretty much a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl team. I mean, they really are. Tannehill just isn't going to get it done. He's not playing within the framework of the offense, the, 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 the scheme and the, um, the identity of that football team. Get him out of there. He's got to go. Like, Tann- Tannehill has to go now, t- today. Tannehill has to be gone. Like they, they have to decide he is not coming back to wear our colors again. You, you have to do that today if you're Tennessee. He cost you that game. And if I'm them, I'm, call, I'm, I'm calling Green Bay. I'm calling Brian Gutekunst. And I'm like, hey, what can we work for Aaron Rodgers? Obviously, Jordan Love sucks. Everybody knows that. You guys know that. We'll trade you Ryan Tannehill and some other players. It at least gives you some time to develop another quarterback so you can cut or get rid of or trade Jordan Love, however you want to do it. He's not the answer. We know this. Okay. We'll trade you Ryan Tannehill, some, you know, some other piece, and some draft picks. Send us Aaron Rodgers. He goes to the AFC where he's not going to burn you. You guys are going to be in the playoffs next year anyways. Everything will be fine. That's just my opinion. But I, I really, I mean, I'm really staunch on the opinion that he is, he is, he will not be wearing Packer green and gold ever again, ever, unless he signs a 10 day contract to come to retire as a Green Bay Packer at the end of his career. Not happening. Brady, his outlook is a lot more murky, and we'll talk about his comments following the game next. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. ESPN Tucson, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. we got lots of local to talk about in our number two, which we will get into, Wildcat basketball, men's and women's, and some Wildcat football news coming up in our number two. But we're still talking some NFL. I mean, I, I could I could break down every game if I if if we really wanted to do that. You guys saw what happened. This is not a situation where I was able to watch uh, an important game that maybe wasn't featured on a network television, so that most of the people didn't get a chance to see it. Something like that. I mean, everybody got to see these games. I don't have to tell you. I'm not going to insult your intelligence by telling you what you should have noticed in a football game. I, I'm not going to do that. I have some opinions on some decisions that were made. Uh, but we're not going to break down every game. 
I, you know, I want to move on to some of the stories because immediately I'm thinking about, you know, what, what is, what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady? I mean, even though the 49ers are still moving on, look, they're going to go play a, a home game in Los Angeles in SoFi Stadium. Even though the Rams are being petty and only selling tickets to people who have registered an address in the greater Los Angeles area, which is a joke. Uh, thank God for the uh, the second uh, secondary market in ticketing. I mean, uh, we'll we'll talk. We'll preview the the NFC Championship and the AFC Championship plenty this week. Trust me. What is what is Tom Brady's future? I mean, he just he just played his three hundred and sixty fifth career game, three hundred and sixty five career games, and this one was unprecedented on several levels. I mean, Tom Brady was flagged for unsportsmanlike conduct, for barking at an official. In the second quarter, Von Miller hits you know, hits him, kind of checks up, but still hits him hard, checks up. I'm surprised Tom didn't fall because he's a good flopper. Tom likes to flop. Hits him pretty hard, checks him up, but bloodies his lip, right? I mean, Tom was bleeding. And this is – I tell people this all the time. They're like, why is he so mad? I'm like, he's bleeding. And they're like, oh, yeah, he is bleeding. How did you know that? Because he got so mad. Like, guys, guys, when they get hit, okay, you, you, you hit me, you know, whatever, fine. You know, good, you know, good shot. As soon as a man tastes blood, tastes his own blood, then it goes from zero to 100 real fast. My guys know what I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> you taste your own blood, now it's on. Now you go. You take things to another level. You start to see red. You taste red. You, you see red. Everything goes red, and that's what happened with Tom yesterday. Tom was yeah, he got hit pretty hard. All of a sudden, bloody lip. He's like, hey, and then sees or tastes his own blood, and it is now like incensed. He's he's furious. Let's the official have it. Official flags him like, don't talk to me that way, Tom. <laughs> so Tom plays the rest of this game bloody. He's got blood on the front of his jersey. He's He's out there just gritting it out. Because I mean, as good as that offensive line has been all season long in pass protection, the Rams' defense and their pass rush is just it, – it's really, really good. Whether it be Aaron Donald or Von Miller, any number of guys that they have on that defense able to, to rush the passer and do a, a great job in, you know, in, in doing what it requires them to you – know, whether it's eating up multiple blockers and such. Regardless, they were in his face a lot. And Tom was bloody, gritting it out, trying to get his team back, scoring two late touchdowns in the fourth quarter to give them a chance to get into overtime to then potentially win that football game. Unfortunately for them, Cooper Cup got loose on a on a just a horrible defensive play call. And look, people, it, it's easy to spot a bad offensive play call. I think for a lot of people, they're like, "That's a bad call. It's a bad call on offense. I don't like that play call there." Eww. They happen on defense too. And it happened yesterday in the final 40 seconds of that game when Tampa Bay draw, drew up a, a zero blitz. Levante David left in no man's land, didn't rush but didn't cover either, and it left Antoine Winfield one-on-one, a safety one-on-one with Cooper Cup. And Cooper Cup was running straight at him, and, Levant, uh, and uh, Antoine Winfield flat-footed is like, uh-oh, <laughs> doesn't have – the speed, you know, the hips, the quickness to get turned around into coverage. He's a safety. He's it's Antoine Winfield. You know, he's he's a guy that was 
low rated in the in the in the draft because of his physical you know the, the questions on his on his athletic nature not just on not how he plays I love Antoine Winfield as a player in that draft he was my sleeper pick I think I, I do a sleeper pick every year. He's like he's like my number fifty-one player, a guy who's rated somewhere in the top hundred, but usually lower in the top one hundred. That I think is going to make an absolute difference at the NFL level. Antoine Winfield was my guy for that NFL, for that year of the draft. Uh, but he's he's not a cover corner, <laughs> and he got smoked by Cooper Cup. So Tom Brady leads the leads the team back. It, it just a, a, a remarkable comeback to even give them an opportunity to get back in that game, comes up short. What does he do? Now, here's my – this is my view on the whole thing. If Tom Brady wanted to retire following that game, and even though Tom Brady did an interview with NBC before the game and said that ultimately he wants to go out a Super Bowl champion, okay, who doesn't, <laughs> right? We don't all get to be John Elway, though, Tom. Not everybody gets to retire – on top of the world, and Super Bowl champ, and, and right off into the sunset. Not everybody gets a storybook ending. And if anybody deserved a storybook ending, it's probably Tom Brady. Or if anybody was most likely to get one, it would be Tom Brady. But sometimes we don't get what we want, right? The, like the Rolling Stones said, you can't always get what you want, but sometimes you get what you need. The bloody and battered Tom Brady urging his offense down the field with an aging tight end who was struggling yesterday as well. And and I have to give all the credit in the world to Rob Gronkowski. He was out there struggling. Like, that is a hurt and battered man. And he was giving it his all. He left it all out on the field. He played his ass off yesterday. Wasn't enough. So, if Tom were to retire today, it wouldn't be a bad ending for Tom Brady. We would look at his last we would look at his last game and say that dude left it all out on the field, bleeding down the front of his jersey, staring in the face of Aaron Donald, Von Miller, completing tight window passes against Jalen Ramsey. He 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 almost couldn't have done it any better. And had the defense shown up and just held on for another 40 seconds, he would have had an opportunity to advance that team to the NFC Championship game for a home matchup against the 49ers. It wasn't to be. We would be okay, though, at least I would, with Tom Brady leaving his legacy the way that he does if he were to retire today. And Tom, after the game, said, I mean, you know, literally, quote, he says, I haven't put a lot of thought into it. I'm taking it day by day. And that's... That's exactly the way that he's going to go about it. He's going to take it day by day. He's going to talk with Giselle and his family, and he's going to talk with his trainer, and he's probably going to talk with Bruce Arians. Now, I've known Bruce for quite some time. I used to live, uh, Bruce used to live near me. I used, we used to run into each other at the same Mexican food restaurant all the time, share some laughs, and uh, enjoy, some, uh, enjoy some libations and have a good time. Bruce is a lively man. He is a passionate man. He's also a an aging man, a man who has some health problems. And I don't know if Bruce is in it to win it for another season. He may want to hand off the reins to Byron Leftwich. 
And I think Byron Leftwich would make a fine head coach in the NFL. I've been saying that for years. When he was here with Bruce, uh, with the Cardinals, when he was the when he was Bruce's OC with the Cardinals, I said that guy's a future head coach, guaranteed. I would all I if if I were a team looking to just rebuild and say I'm going to give you I'm going to give my head coach five years and we are not going to waver from that regardless of record direction whatever have you I'm going to give you five years to help rebuild this team I would have picked Byron Leftwich he's he's sharp he's got it like he and he's got some attitude to him I like I really like Byron Leftwich does Tom Brady want to play for Byron Leftwich probably not is Rob Gronkowski going to be there next year. Probably not. What does that team look like next year? Does Tom Brady want to go to another team? Probably not. If Tom Brady were to retire today, nobody would would blame him for that. And nobody would be sad the way that he went out. Brady fans or Brady haters alike, we would look at this final game and say, dude was a warrior. He left it all out there. Defense didn't have enough to, to, to seal the deal. Lost to a better team. No shame in that. So it'll be interesting to see what Tom Brady decides in the in the weeks and the months to come in this offseason and other things that develop in that Buccaneers organization. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll continue to talk some NFL playoffs. I have some uh, some other opinions I'd like to share on just a few things before we uh, before we get out of here in the first hour and uh, move on to hour number two. Stay tuned here to ESPN Tucson. This is Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Now, as much as I hate the NFL overtime rule, and I, I this is nothing new for me. I, I'm not just jumping on this soapbox because of what happened last night. I have hated it as long as I can remember. It, 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 you know, in a way, it's it's a it's a it's a problematic way to end the game. But it's not exactly where Buffalo lost the game. They didn't lose the game because they lost the coin toss. They lost the game because of what I'm calling. 13 seconds of stupidity. And it I mean it literally was 13 seconds of stupidity. And it it all began with the choice to kick the ball deep through the end zone. I mean they drilled the ball through the end zone. They blasted the blast kickoff through the end zone and all 13 seconds remained on the clock for Patrick Mahomes. And you're probably thinking to yourself if you're I mean we were all watching the game like 13 seconds man this is going to be really bad like it's, you know he's going to get one shot basically and then one other Hail Mary opportunity and this is likely over so the decision not to squib it which would have taken anywhere between like 2 and 5 seconds off the clock which is massive massive in the grand scheme of things when you talk about 13 seconds 2 to 5 seconds is nothing Two to five seconds in the frame of a 13-second countdown is huge, right? I mean, we're talking about a, you know, anywhere between like a, a 15 and a 35% portion of the clock. So that was the first decision that caused problems. On the first play, Bills started playing like deep prevent, like don't let anybody into the end zone. Hey, how about you not let somebody run off 
22 yards on the first play. Not not let the team's fastest player, potentially the fastest wide receiver in the NFL, catch a ball wide open with blockers running down the field. How about you don't do that? And then on the second play, it was they you know the Chiefs called timeout. Obviously, they had to call timeout. They the Bills come out. They didn't know what they were doing. Like they were just. Like they were kind of playing, like corners were playing quarters. They had one deep safety, one kind of underneath. Nobody checked Travis Kelsey, who just ran free right down the seam. I, you know, went 25 yards. Now the, the the Chiefs have moved 47 yards in nine seconds. They get up, kick the game tying field goal. It's 36, 36, going to overtime. This time expires. I mean, you couldn't mess it up any worse than the Bills did. You really couldn't. Sean McDermott's going to be ruining those decisions for a long, long time. Because there's nothing else Josh Allen could have done in that game more miraculously than what he already did. Hour number two coming up in just a quick two minutes. Stay tuned here to 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson, KFFN Tucson, KWCX Tanka Verde, KMXZ HD4 Tucson.